What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you've been playing? Uh, yeah, so I've been on, uh, you know, we're in this sort of lull. I don't think they're starting to drop, uh, but just uh, just been kind of testing a few things out, uh, refreshing my memory on a few things. Evo was uh, just passed not too long ago, so I had that fighting game uh, sort of bug. So I've been playing, you know, Tekken, a little bit of Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, I don't have much to say. These are eight-year-old eight, <laughs> eight year old games at this <laughs> point. Um, so <laughs> there's not much for me to say. You know, they, they did launch some new patches and things like that. Um, which is gonna, I assume, they're gonna be the final patches. Uh, Tekken, the next Tekken game was teased. Uh, we didn't get anything else besides a high def uh, screenshot of Kazuya, so there's not much else to say there. But been doing that kind of on on the background. Um, but my my main time I've been uh, playing is uh, funny enough. They're indie fan games, um, and I know you and I talked a little bit about it off when I was playing them so there's uh, two main sonic fan games that i've been playing oh yeah uh so one is uh sonic gt sonic grand tour uh made by a company uh, it's a gentleman but a company also uh they go by not so greedy games for fun um it's a really nice guy gabriel i actually talked to him behind i don't know behind the scenes whatever it was you know directly i talked to him it's a fun little game you know it's it's you know for a fan game, it's really well done. The levels are really well done. There's a lot of love put into it. Obviously, it doesn't control like a AAA studio made the game because it's not. Um, but for what it is, it's really well done. You know, we had some voice acting. We had, you know, there were still shots, but, you know, multiple playable characters. It was really, really fun. Um, so I just wanted to give them a really shout out. And, you know, the game is obviously, because it's Sonic, it's a fan game, uh, completely out there for free, the whole game. So they are working on a game that's theirs uh which i would be more than happy to support and everything like that when the time comes so they have a couple different things there um if you just look up sonic gt you'll find the link to the page um on twitter also he's at ns greedy um so he's a really good guy really, really awesome stuff they're working on on that team so it's really cool um i really like the game you know it's, it's i also like that you just get to play as some of these other characters you haven't seen in a while obviously you get sonic you get shadow but they had like uh mighty and it was just cool to, to see this uh done uh especially some uh not remade levels but sort of uh go back levels um you get to go back to the desert level well like the pyramid level from sonic adventure 2 um and it's all kind of destroyed and stuff and it's just really reminiscent obviously being huge sonic uh, a huge sonic fan i know you're also a huge sonic adventure 2 fan hearing some of those tracks remixed was really really awesome so awesome awesome game um, the other Sonic fan game I've been playing, uh, Sonic Omens. Uh, this is the this is the one I've sent you when I was uh, playing it. Yeah. And um, right up front, I'll say I know there is some minor, minor, not minor, but there is some quote unquote controversy uh, with the studio that made the game. Uh, the team is uh, Ouroboros Studios. Um, the guy goes by at Bolt. Um, there's some small controversy that I'm not going to really get into because. It's some gray area, uh, neither here or there. I don't, I haven't really decided where I land on some of the controversy. It's nothing like, you know, damning. Um, so I'm gonna just focus really talking about uh, the actual product itself. So uh, Sonic Omens is um, really one of the most polished, uh, really graphically, it looks really great. Um, Sonic fan games, it looks so official. Um, everyone I sent a video to when I was playing it literally thought I was playing um, 
Sonic uh, Frontiers somehow. Um, but I'm not. You know, it, it is a fan game. Once you get your hands on it, you can feel the sort of jankiness. But um, this really stands out amongst other Sonic fan games for the fact that one, it is completely, you know, in 3D and everything. It looks great. Uh, you have voice uh, voice acting. You have full cutscenes. It's literally, you know, if there's just a few tweaks and a little bit more tightness on certain things, this would feel like a Sonic game. And it's weird that some of the jank that, you know, caused me to have some frustration and, you know, dying and things like that are the same jinx that we've been playing in sonic games forever you know yeah. homie tax just doesn't miss or it does miss purposely or just glitches or sonic you know running around in a circle completely just drops it's like things that we've seen in sonic games forever so it was really interesting to say um but yeah it's a game i really enjoyed you know again this being fan service there is some fan servicey stuff in there um but again the story is actually really interesting it takes place right between obviously not canon but it does takes place uh, between sonic uh Un- unleashed and sonic colors um which is really interesting for them to do it ties into a lot of that there's also a fun twist uh for sonic x fans uh i'll leave it at that uh, it's just it's, it's really interesting um they, they have their own youtube channel they have all the cutscenes. so if you if anyone out there doesn't have the pc to play this or anything like that obviously you have to play it on pc um i did at least go watch the cutscenes. Again, this being small team, uh, some of the voice acting gets uh, not just cringy for the dialogue because it kind of fits for what we expect for Sonic, um, but you can tell these just aren't official voice actors. Um, I know they really gave, uh, some of these people really gave it their best. I think the person who does Sonic and the person who does Tails does really well. Uh, The person who does Shadow starts off really well. Uh, I personally think uh, he loses his his, uh, pattern and you get some really rough uh some really rough voicing um and stuff like that but this is obvious it's not an american team so you have people with hard accents doing pretty well in english so i'll give them shout out to that uh, you know level designs are really awesome uh being a sonic game there's a supersonic fight that i think is done interesting um the way this ties into what really is canon is really cool um i just really actually like this game i, I played it like if it's a real game I'm still playing it. i'm going back to get some uh, of the red rings that we are all known for in sonic games to collect so I had to give them another shout out because I know they were getting a lot of hate. I also got to speak to them behind the, I don't know, behind the scenes, but you know, I got to speak to them uh, directly, which kind of hard because we speak different languages, but we, we got it done and it was really awesome. And I, I really do like to support the team. Uh, when you see such a sort of passion project and such an appreciation for what Sonic games are, especially in this new generation, it, it's really fun to, to see people going full fledged. Um, this is the last thing they're doing Sonic related. I do think they are working on their own game, which uh, disclosed some things to me. He asked me not to speak about it yet. Um, but when the time comes, maybe I will have the chance to. So that's really all I've been playing, uh, surprisingly enough, is uh, some these two Sonic fan games, which is just really fun. Uh, right on the cusp of, obviously, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, we're going to finally get a... Uh, hands-on Sonic Frontier so it, it's really fun to just see what's being inspired by and to see what the officials you know what Sega actually has to crank out so uh that's all I've really been playing what uh what have you been up to yeah and then one thing is yeah I, I saw that yeah. video you sent about um the Sonic Omens game yeah super impressive what they were able to do there because uh I would, to be honest with you, like if I wasn't more um, 
ingratiated into the Sonic world and aware of what actually was coming out from Sega. I don't think your average consumer would necessarily be able to differentiate between like mm-hmm. something that like Sega puts out and what they put out. Um, just because, yeah, like that 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 jank is kind of normal uh, for Sonic at this point. <laughs> exactly. Nobody dings Sonic for the cringe dialogue or anything like that. So almost anything you could hold against Sonic Omens, I think you can hold against the entirety of the franchise. So they kind of fit in there perfectly. Um, Especially if I told someone, I was like, hey, this is not the newest one. No, no, no. This came out like right after, yeah, it came out right after Colors. They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember that one. I swear, I swear you could fit it in there. Um, so, yeah, super impressive. Shout out to that team. Um, yeah, I played a ton. I have uh, five major games that I've played in the last couple weeks. Uh, so the first, and then some of these I've since, I've like started and either beat or walked away from um, in that time. So the first one is finally, finally it went on sale because I refused to buy this game for full price. It was Taxi Chaos. Um, I've had this in my wish list since it came out. It may have been last year, something like that. Um, and it only came out for 20, but the reviews were terrible. It didn't look particularly great. And I'm a huge taxi, uh, crazy taxi fan. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this when it, it, I know one day it's going to come down to 15, $10 or something like that. And I'll just buy it then. Uh, so I put it in my wish list and I've kind of just waited and waited months and months and months. And then finally it went down to nine ninety nine, and I bought it and I'm super glad I waited, um, because <laughs> it's, it's not great. Um, there are things about it that I kind of like, honestly. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, imagine crazy taxi, except, um, it controls just as wonky, but is somehow new. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it's controlling that way in a stylistic manner. Uh, it takes place in New York instead of like a San Fran. And this time you actually have conversations with your um, passengers, which I actually don't think is the worst idea in concept at all. It makes the trips a lot more engaging, uh, especially considering the fact that the soundtrack is pretty much non-existent. There's no like licensed music in it because this is an indie game. Um and they didn't go out of their way to make their own original music. So, well, they did, but it's not sang music. It doesn't sound like their attempt to recreate, you know, like what The Offspring was doing or anything like that. Um, so you, you get kind of like rock music or electronic music playing in the background, but it, it's kind of, it's, it has this kind of like unlicensed feel to it. Um, and so to kind of fill that gap there, when you pick somebody up, they start talking to you and, and you're depending on who you choose as your taxi driver, they'll have different personalities. But the problem is, uh, naturally with these games, you'll pick up a lot of passengers in a single run. Um, and you'll frequent the same areas. The map is much bigger than, uh, crazy taxis map i think uh but it's still a single city that kind of has a very homogenous look to it so you're kind of running into the same kind of npcs over and over again and eventually these conversations start to loop um and eventually you've kind of heard everything they have to say and eventually becomes actually more of an annoyance than anything because at least in crazy taxi uh they'll say things like you know take me to the kfc or whatever um but then you could just kind of vibe with the music the rest of the time and have fun in that world where in this one uh, the music is not really something I would personally vibe to just because it's it's generally nondescript. The conversations are looping uh, and the world I just find generally uninteresting. So after a while, I was like, you know, like there, and there's lots to collect. They give you lots of things to do, but just very little motivation to do it. Uh, so it's not something I fully walked away from. It's totally something that I'm going to revisit and spend a little bit more time with. 
but overall, I don't think it's particularly that great. However, it's I think ten bucks right now, unless the sale ended um, since then, which is possible. Um, and uh, for ten bucks, I don't think it's the worst, but I think this would be like a peak like Game Pass game. Like just wait for it to go, so you don't have to like put any additional money, spend you know thirty forty minutes banging around in that world and i think that's the extent of what the average person would even want to play in this game it also adds a pretty fun i guess jumping mechanism uh where you can launch your car into the air uh which is pretty cool because if you're going straight and let's say you can go left or right but there's a building above you that's a little bit on the lower side you can actually projectile your car above the building if it's low enough uh, imagine if it's kind of like a ranch style house or a storefront it's not like you can like jump over it and like drive along the the um ceiling or the, the roof of the the building which gives this game a little bit more verticality than the the than crazy taxi which i can appreciate um so yeah that that's taxi chaos did you, you haven't played this i'm assuming right no no i've um it's one of those things that i've I've had my eye on it. I think you may have brought my the, your the attention to it, yeah. Taxi Chaos, and um, it it looks. It, it's funny because I saw the trailer. I just watched it right now, actually, and it looks good. Not good, but it looks like obviously it takes a lot of inspiration. And it's like, but everything I immediately worried about from soundtrack to controlling to everything, um, you nailed it. <laughs> you pretty much covered it. That it, my worries are true yeah i i would say generally skip this one um i don't think you're missing too much by not playing this one um and i think there are plenty of avenues by which to play the original crazy taxi on modern consoles that i think you'd get just as much if not more fulfillment by going back to the original than trying to fulfill the nostalgia by this game um because i just don't think they bring enough of their charm there are good ideas in this game i think with like the more dynamic passengers the jumping mechanism um the you know all of these type of things i think are uh, a little better it has kind of like a cool endless mode that you can actually unlock stuff and actually do things that lend itself to the general counter of the game that doesn't tie itself to the three five and ten minute arcade modes i think that's actually a good system as well um but uh generally speaking i don't think you're missing anything by not playing this uh, another game that I had on my backlog um, that I had been meaning to get to for a while that I found a secondhand copy of online uh, is Call of Duty Vanguard. I finally was able to get to that. Um, I don't like it very much <laughs> at all. Um, I played just the story mode, so anybody who's listening, I am not judging the multiplayer and I'm not judging Warzone. I'm not judging zombies. Just the campaign. Uh, and I totally do not get why this game exists, to be honest with you. Um naturally it was already kind of a hard sell it's why i didn't rush this game in general one thing don't really like activision like that second off uh we've gotten so many world war ii um call of duty games not to mention we got a rebooted kind of in my view definitive world war ii call of duty game literally called call of duty world war ii um from a couple years back that i thought was actually a fairly compelling campaign um and overall, I thought I thought I liked that game. Generally speaking, it was nice to actually get back to the World War II thing. So when they released this game, I was actually quite confused as to what they were attempting to do here that hadn't been done previously so much. Um, there are battlefronts within 
the front uh, in World War II, all these different places that maybe they paid more attention to previously. So obviously, like the storming of the Normandy Beach or like storming Berlin and, and fighting in France, these are all places that I feel like have been done to death. So I seriously doubted that they would do it in Vanguard. And generally speaking, they have avoided most of that. Um, and this one, they, they take the approach of you being on this specific team uh, that is trying to steal um, secrets from the Germans. And then they kind of use this team to do flashbacks into where all these characters came from. Uh, and there, that's where you get some of the special specialist missions. So one guy's a pilot, so that's where you get the plane fighting mission, which I think is pretty... It's, it's alright. It's not bad. Uh, you get one person, her name is Lady Nightingale. That's where you get some of the stealth things in the one versus an army mission, which... To be honest, led to me stop playing the game. Um, I did not beat the campaign. I played most of it until a point that I just found really annoying, where you're a single person in a building fighting many, many armored German soldiers, and it, they threw so many at me that eventually I actually just started running and I started counting. I wanted to know how many soldiers are you throwing at me here in this building that I have to kill before I can finish this mission because again this mission had been going for about 30 to 40 minutes just this one mission already and I was beyond fatigued by it and I was like all right how many and I counted up to 52 soldiers and I was like oh, enough enough of this and I was like to be honest this is just on my backlog this is not something I was like I need to know the next Call of Duty story so I was like you know it just has not become fun anymore so I just walked away from it literally I, I just stopped playing I don't have enough time to I think just like grind through a Call of Duty campaign um and I just wasn't liking it, generally speaking. Um, but I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's just retreading old ground. And it's kind of useless in that regard. Um, there are cool things about it in the way that they show off Stalingrad and the attack on Stalingrad in Russia. Like, in depth in this game, which I can appreciate. Um, and they have actually a degree of verticality in this one where there's light platforming not in terms of like jumping from platform to platform in that way, but there's a lot of climbing in this one. Um, so you play a character who um, works as kind of like this med tech stealth person, also the Lady Nightingale character before the attack, where you're climbing on um, building tops and you're running around and it actually gives like a first person Assassin's Creed light vibe um, to it because you're, you're stealth killing some people. I thought that is actually a very interesting decision for them to make. But the reality is I don't think Call of Duty has ever done stealth well. And I don't think anybody goes to Call of Duty to do stealth things. And so when I have to creep around, that's totally fine from a moment-to-moment -moment thing. But if I'm having mission after mission where I'm not allowed to fully engage with people because I'm generally uh, under weapon or, you know, underarmed to deal with this threat, which I feel like, you know, they gave me a shotgun and a sniper rifle and are throwing 52 armed soldiers to me. And by armored, I mean, like, fully, like... With the minigun type of situation, like, I eventually it gets to a point where it's like, this is not fun for me at all. I cranked the difficulty down to get through this mission, I would have put it back up, and I still was just being annoyed by it, so I walked away from it. Call of Duty Vanguard, if you can find it um, for under 20 bucks used somewhere, I think totally go for it. But other than that, I think it, it's generally a waste of most people's time. And there are several Call of Duty games and non-Call of Duty first-person shooters that have come out in the last five years that I could point to that do what they're doing here much better than this. Um, and I don't think anybody has a hankering for World War II shooters anymore, especially when there's so many places Call of Duty has not gone yet. 
They have not even touched Vietnam, the Korean conflict, the Gulf War. There are so many different exchanges that they just choose not to mess with for some reason uh, and instead keep going to World War II, um, and I don't understand why. Uh, so yeah, Call of Duty Vanguard, generally a waste of time. Um, uh, after I finished Call of Duty Vanguard, some of the games that I was looking forward to hadn't come out yet, so I needed a bit of a palate cleanser, so I went back to Dragon Age Origins, um, the first one. Uh, I like Dragon Age Origins, generally speaking, quite a bit. The only reason I didn't beat it the first time is because I bumped into a bug where I got locked at my campsite. Uh, and I had I only had one save, and it was in the campsite, so I was kind of screwed at that point. Um, but I adopted a multiple save mechanism, never bumped into the bug on this run-through. And I'm much farther than I was the first time. I still plan on beating this, but I've gotten sidetracked by other games. Uh, but yeah, I like this game a lot. Um, I think... It's definitely one of those games that how fun it is is entirely dependent on what class you choose. I've always found that Dragon Age tends to be more engaging when you're a mage, for example, uh, and you're utilizing some distance attacks and you're weaving through your team and utilizing their different talents and keeping that distance. Uh, I, I think Dragon Age overall is a really fun franchise. Uh, I don't love Inquisition like that, but the first two I've always been quite into. Um, and, and so I definitely plan on going back to this. And also, I wanted to familiarize myself with some of the concepts because um, I played eight hours of one, all of two, and then I jumped into Inquisition and noticed that I was probably missing quite a bit of lore that happened in the first one that I uh, didn't quite understand. So that's another reason why I would like to go back to Origins so I can probably replay Inquisition and get a firm understanding of everything that's being thrown at me. So when... Uh, I forget what it's called, Dreadwolf, Dragon Age Dreadwolf, the fourth one or whatever, comes out, I can know fully what they're talking about. Because to be honest with you, I only really fully understand the second one, and then everything else I have a very loose understanding of. So I'm trying my best to do a little bit of homework and get ahead of it, because these are not games that I find that I can binge. So I'm like really trying to get ahead of it, because I don't know when uh, Dragon Age 4 is going to come out, and I don't want to be trying to beat all these games at the last minute. So yeah, Dragon Age Origins. And now into the new stuff. Uh, Saints Row came out, and so have you. First off, have you played Saints Row? Um, so I played the opening mission to Saints Row. Uh, okay. I have not picked up my copy of Saints Row. Um, Got it. Just because I've been very hesitant. Got it. All right. So check this out. Uh, is Saints Row good? No. But is it fun? Also, no. Now check this out. <laughs> Um, Saints Row is interesting so I'm a big Saints Row fan I went into this as optimistic as possible I didn't want to dunk on them just because I know they were trying to do something a little different with this one uh, I'm all fine for a reboot especially where things went narratively with the fourth one I can get why they'd want to reset things a little bit and to be honest with them kind of resetting it to kind of like a very casual street like you know street gang down in the grit just not a lot of money just trying to figure things out i can appreciate them trying to go that direction um some of the visual themes i was getting a little nervous about it didn't look very saintsy it didn't um i didn't really get it i it, i didn't realize it was going to be a reboot to the point that they were actually changing the origin story of the saints as well um which i think is an interesting decision um, but I, I wanted to give them a chance to tell the story they wanted to tell. So I started playing it. I'm maybe 
uh, six to seven hours in. Uh, so I think I have a firm hold of what they're trying to do. And I think my biggest problem with Saints Row is I, I don't really know what they were going for for this game because... Now, now to kind of get it out of the way, there was a lot of controversy around this game, especially from a particular sector of the game industry that kind of taxed uh, certain games with that woke label. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not particularly in that sphere, so I don't really get involved in all of that stuff. I don't really care that much about that stuff. Um, and, and so there was so much talk about them, like, oh, man, they're killing Saints Row because they're taking away all of the edgy humor. But what they're not talking about is the reality of the situation, which is Saints Row took away all the humor, which is really strange. This game is, there are small kind of here and there attempts, I think, to be funny, and most of them come out as cringe. And I don't really ding them for that because I don't think the humor was ever top tier. I don't think it was ever particularly great written. It was always a rather goofy, edgy game. But the thing is, they play way more situations straight than they do kind of goofy. And it's really weird to see them... Like, this game is generally... I almost hesitate to even call it a comedy. Uh, unlike the previous ones. You know, a lot of things are played pretty straight. Like, you're fighting against this gang because there's a territorial conflict, and they're anarchists, and they're neon... And that's it. Like, there, there's nothing beyond that that's funny. There's, uh, um, the, you're trying, and then you, you fight against the gangs. Or you're doing this, not for some crazy over-the-top situation like in the old ones. No, you need the deed to this land because you want to build something on it. Like, it's very straightforward in that regard. And I thought that was really weird where it's like, there. I don't even see many attempts to be funny. There's one clip going around of... Uh, one of the intro scenes that they're driving that they're repeating a couple words that I probably can't say on this or I probably shouldn't say on this um, but and I think that is a example I, I think that's kind of skewing people's perception of the humor of this game and I think that is more of an attempt to be funny than most of this game even tries to do um, and not to mention all of how I think grindy this game can be to get uh, things funded properly and to get some real income streams going uh this game is a lot more grindy in a way that like the old ones i didn't feel like it. i feel like they diversified the activities a lot more so you were doing the same kind of things over and over again but they would break them up and you would do them with different types of characters different scenarios different environments where in this one it's kind of the same thing over and over and over and over again and so I just wanted to test something and off rip I was like okay I got um, the new car dealership and I was like okay if I want to maximize the income on this which is not an unreasonable ask because it's the only business I have right now so it's basically like these are like setup missions imagine that how many setup missions do I need to get to get my income to where it needs to be properly to extract solid value out of this uh, car dealership 11 separate car stealing missions 11 just for that one place that's not to count the waste disposal place that's not to count the um food place that you purchase and that's not counting main story missions or you clearing out enemy encampments or police encampments on the land that you're trying to optimize which also hamper your ability to make money that's not counting any of that that's just to maximize the the money for that one business i think that's kind of a problem with a game like this um these games fall into a bucket like a like a far cry for example where it has a very distinct gameplay loop and you're going to do that over and over again and that is not for everybody but 
you kind of drive around the world, you enjoy the music, and then you kind of, and they, you just hope that it doesn't overstay its welcome. And most of these times, in Saints Row, in my opinion, it hasn't done that. Um, but yeah, this game has some serious issues. Another issue I think that they dinged it was the soundtrack. Um, I disagree with a lot of the assertions that this game has no good songs in it. That's not true. Um, one thing, yeah, a lot of people are making fun of the fact that there are two rap stations, one of which is completely older rap music. I'm a big fan of 90s and 80s rap music, so that doesn't really bother me. But I guess people who are not particularly educated on hip-hop music could think why Busta Rhymes and A Tribe Called Quest are not a major get for them. In my opinion, I think that's really awesome that they have um, some of these classic hip-hop tracks. They have like a KRS song, like uh, The Sound of the Police, which I think is a great song for this Um but uh, th I've also noticed that if you organically listen to the radio stations, a good chunk of the soundtrack I don't even think pops up. And I don't know if it's tied to where I'm at in the game and maybe they roll out songs later or if it's just not playing. I don't know. But there are entire songs that are pretty big deal, which is like Playboy Cardi, Trippy Red, Miss the Rage. That was a huge song last year is in this game. And I have not heard it on the radio organically once. You have to use like the your little DJ app on the phone where you can make your own little sequence. You can choose what song you want to listen to. Uh, with When I started doing that, I, I discovered a ton of songs that are in this game that I'm like, where, where have you been? Um, so there are some really solid... Um, Indie songs on there, really solid Spanish songs. Rosalia's in it. I really love her music. Um, she, there's like a couple artists on this, uh, in this game that are not popping up in the, the, uh, general radio. But I, I would say I would concede that overall the, the music choices in this game are maybe a little weaker than some of the previous games. Um, especially you know I really actually liked the soundtrack of four. Um, it, I mean, it had like Tightrope on there, which was like is, is a really, really fun song uh, from the early 2010s. Uh, and I love that kind of era of indie music. And uh, obviously three had the iconic like Kanye moments and stuff like that. So um, I think they were in a position where they did the best that they could, I think, with what they could license. So they got a little bit of trippy red there. A really poor choice in trippy red songs and not to get super down uh in the music stuff because i know everybody's not into music like that but yeah they, they've made some really interesting music choices with even some of the artists they chose like they have a tribe called quest in there but they um they have that el segundo record which is kind of annoying after a while like they have a lot much better songs on their first two albums low in theory and midnight marauders that they could have chose but again i won't get super deep on that so yeah saints row overall not a great experience. Uh, I don't think it's absolutely terrible top to bottom like some people do. Um, and I think if you're a hardcore Saints Row fan, I think you could extract some value out of this, generally speaking, just to try it. I think it still feels like Saints Row. Uh, the the shooting and the dodging and the the driving's wonky, but it does feel generally Saints Row-y. Uh, but everything else is just not doing it for me. I don't love the map. I don't love the characters. I, I don't think that it's very funny. Um, and, and, and so overall, you know, it's kind of a miss from me. I do plan on sticking it through and, and kind of getting through it. It was supposed to be my main game, and then my next game was going to be my side game, but it's actually flipped. Uh, and the, my, the next game that I've been playing is one that I think a lot of people have been playing, which is, and I think you've played, I think I've seen you play, uh, Cult of the Lamb. Um, I just started it on Friday. Have you heard of this game? So yeah, I, I haven't played it yet. It's, it's in my wishlist. Um, I just... It's just I just know it's gonna be a game 
I, I see all the not the micromanaging but all the little stuff you have to do at the base yeah i just haven't done it but i have i've deeply watched a lot of uh videos about it yeah i mean in my opinion i like this game this is one of my favorite games um i played in a while like this game is phenomenal like for real um and this has become one of two of like my favorite steam deck i'm playing it on steam deck it's out on i think everything like so if you wanted to play I you could play so. pc switch playstation i have somebody playing on playstation uh ps5 it's running great um but yeah i'm playing it on steam deck and this and vampire survivor are like my steam deck game now uh yeah and this game is fantastic this was supposed to be my side game that i would play when um i needed a break from saints row and it's totally flipped and so this is my main game now, and Saints Row is kind of my side game, which I totally did not expect from, like, a $25, like, indie game that just came out. But, yeah, this game is sick. Like, um, the best way I can describe it to people who haven't played it before, um, imagine kind of, like, a chibi animal game that looks really cute, but there are some dark uh, occultic themes in it where you basically start a cult in the name of this kind of elder god that is captured by these other gods, and you go and do a mixture of basically going out on runs or raids to get resources, new followers, um, and also further the narrative by killing the people who are capturing your god. Um, you can also gather all these resources for your cult and set up life for them. Make, it, uh, make sleeping bags that you can turn into in, um, housing and you can get strength by their prayers and their faith in you. Uh, you can set up an outhouse in all different types of buildings and decorate it however you want. But yeah, there is quite a bit of management in there. You need to deal with their waste. You need to cook for them. You need to manage their faith levels by blessing them and giving sermons. And there's it, it'd be, It's a lot of work, but I, I think this game is so, so fun. Um, and I think it's a great kind of like game to get lost into. I am not a binging guy. I typically don't play games for more than an hour at a time, personally. And even if that means that I play you know, twice in a single day, that happens sometimes. But generally, I don't do long sittings because I do a lot of reading comics. I do a lot of reading, uh, you know, listening to music. So I don't just like sit there and play games for super long periods of time anymore like i used to um but uh this game i actually in like two days played six hours of this game uh which for me i know for some people is nothing for me that's actually like a ton though typically you know it can take upwards of a, a week for me to hit six or seven hours of a game typically but you know because i'm playing after work and stuff like that you get it um but uh this game no i i i've started on friday i'm already about six to eight hours into this game not including today obviously which just started for me so i'm going to be playing more of that uh and this is the first game that i'm actually the only reason i stopped playing this game is because my steam deck has died twice on me um because i've just burned through the battery of it so that that's a funny thing which is why like i really want that steam deck dock to come so i can like play this sooner uh like by docking it um but yeah overall cult of the lamb i could super recommend to everybody only 25 bucks i think it's worth every dollar of that and also if you get it on console the, oh i think actually if you get it on pc it does this as well there is a um five dollar add-on that you can get with it that is kind of like a deluxe edition that has some cool cosmetic items and different forms of followers that you can choose that i think is pretty fun i don't have that version but i've seen people who do get it uh and, and it's a cute little add-on so yeah definitely recommend you're not going to pay any more than 30 dollars for this game and i think to be honest personally this is the best game out right now um period 
Uh, we'll see how that changes, you know, once Last of Us and, and, and God of War and all that comes out. But for right now, this is Cult of the Lamb season as far as me. It's the perfect game to fill the void. So if you're kind of like tired of everything that's out, you need something new to play, skip Saints Row, play Cult of the Lamb. It's cheaper and it's better. Uh, and, and yeah, I definitely recommend you jump into that, Steve, because I think you're going to like it. Everything I've seen about it definitely speaks to me. You know, it has that sort of hack and slash, uh, Binding of Isaac feel to it. Yeah, a little Hades in there. Hades, um, but not. It's it's got like the right amount of rogue in it for me, um, which was from what I've seen, and uh, so I'm really excited. And I, I'd love to support Massive Monster. That's, I believe that's I believe that's who developed it. Um, I think Devolver just published it, but Massive Monster, which I think have only done I think two other games maybe. Oh wow. Um, I can't. So they're they're more new than than anything. So um, because it just looks really good. So I uh, I have been back and forth. Like I've put it in my cart constantly. Obviously, I'd want to do it on PC slash Steam Deck because thankfully Steam has cloud save, so I can just pick up and go yeah, on go Steam back and Deck. forth. Yeah, and then when I'm home, I can hit it up on the on the PC, which is probably I'm gonna do. It, and I think now that I have your <laughs> approval with it. Uh, I probably will for sure snag it today. I, I think I will just suck it up and put it through today. Um, and I think it would be great because I'm going on a trip soon. So it would be nice to have that on my Steam Deck. Yeah. You know, and on a flight, what else can I do? You know, kill it, time. Exactly. And I would say one of my favorite parts about it is that even though it does have those Binding of Isaac, Hades, like run, you know, roguelike moments, the runs don't exceed 10 to 15 minutes. I've gone through runs in less than five minutes, actually, um, if it, mm-hmm. if I got a good weapon and it's not that. So it's super quick. Uh, so it's not like you're like Hades can go as long as you survive, basically. Same thing with Binding of Isaac. Where in these, um, if you, you can beat the run. Uh, and you just do multiple runs to further the narrative. So the cool thing is, like, you're not have you're not doing any run for you, now. There is a way to do continuous runs, uh, and they make it clear when you're doing that. But between every section of that, they allow you to go back to the cult if you'd like to. Um, so you can kind of evac and say and and capture everything that you've accumulated up until that point um, at, at, at those points. So yeah, super good game. Uh, and, and for me, uh, from what I hear, it's it's doing super well in the PC ecosystem yeah. as well. They've already had, I think, over a million players, which is insane for a game of this um, size. So, yeah, this is definitely, like, a great time for indies. I'm, like, super impressed with them. And uh, definitely this game has cracked my top five. So, like, RIP Horizon because it's just getting booted lower and lower for me. Um, and, yeah, I think Cult of the Lamb is definitely going to be in my top five at the end of the year. It, it, unless unless there's like crazy non-stop bangers from like Nintendo and Sony going for the rest of the year that can maybe keep it from that I think it has a good chance to be in the running no that makes a lot of sense and I, I, it's always fun to see one of these small titles just come and start destroying um, yeah. especially when you have you know someone like Quebec the game you're playing you know have someone like Volition drop the ball um, so heavily for, with Saints Row um it sucks because that's something you and I were really looking forward to that game, and I'm still there's something in me that's like I have to play it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like it's worth a spin. It's more so the price of it. I yeah. sixty for this is that's my only problem. I paid sixty for this. I'm a huge, huge Saints Row fan, and even I don't think it's worth that um, because it's just not enough there. So if you could ever find this on sale, totally jump at it because I know you'd get a fascination out of it like I do. But for sixty, mm, yeah. it, it's it's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> but Cult of the Lamb is probably more 
more where I'm going to go for today then. Good idea. Even even deciding to get things real. Um, but yeah, we can uh, jump into stories. We, we got some good games coming up soon, so we'll have a lot more to talk about on on, on that edge. But uh, so uh, we had some big a big week. Uh, surprisingly, it was pretty weak because I completely lost track that it was happening. Uh, we had Gamescom, and uh, one of the more interesting things, not more interesting, but kind of surprising because Sony doesn't ever go to any other conference anymore, um, but the, the DualSense Edge was revealed. So after plenty of rumors, Sony has finally lifted the veil on the PS5 DualSense Edge at Gamescom 2022. Uh, this is a new controller in the vein of the Xbox Elite series gamepads. You'll get options to tweak the dead zone, sensitivity of your analog sticks, adjustable resistance for the analog triggers, uh, Surprisingly, only two back paddle uh, back paddles. Uh, no price or release date has been announced. Um, so yeah, this was this was weird. I I don't know why I let myself get excited when I, I did end up watching Gamescom last second. Um, and when I did, they started talking about Sony, so I thought they would have something. Um, I I don't know what I thought I was gonna see, but uh, they came out with uh, so we have the DualSense Edge. Uh, looks very very similar to the DualSense everyone has. You know, a couple things that are just you know, it's hard to be excited for this when we have companies like Scuff and them doing all this stuff just naturally. Uh, you know, having the different sensitivity of the triggers, profiles. Again, interesting, but I think it makes sense to only have the two back paddles. Uh, it's really, it'd be really weird to need to have all four unless you're really hardcore playing a shooter. Um, but even on my Steam Deck that has those back paddles, I only use the top two. I've never really had to do anything else. Uh, but. You know, all in all, it's nice to have this option. I don't think it's something for me. I've never gotten to the point to buy an Xbox Elite controller just for the fact that they, at the lowest, you probably can get them about 180 um, on a good sale. Uh, besides that, they're always 200 and above. But to have the sort of pro, more, you know, luxurious type control is, I think it's nice to have an option. Um, I think it comes in handy, especially PlayStation's really trying to get into, you know, really, well, they you know, really going into the fighting scene community, the competitive gaming, and the esports. Um, to have an officially sanctioned control makes sense uh, for fighting games. Sometimes they're uh, to not have to use the top back paddles. You can use the bottom bat, uh, paddles if you're using a six button uh, game. Street Fighter and all those use that. So I think it's really cool. Um, I wish it looked a little more different. Um, not that the, it needs to. I think the, it just looks a little different. I think they could have shown it off better. Maybe showing different sticks. Um, because using different aluminum sticks and stuff would always be really interesting. But uh, what did you think of this for, for the DualSense Edge? Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm positive on it. Um, I think this has been an ask from a lot of people uh, for Sony to answer to that the Elite controller. Because the, the Xbox Elite controller, I mean, is just kind of a league of its own. It's just such a well-designed, beautiful controller for that high-end experience for the more hardcore people. Um, I don't have one of those. It's just kind of out of my price range for a single controller. Um, like I, I love my Xbox. I play my Xbox, but I, you know, coming up on two hundred dollars for a single controller, it's just I'd rather buy multiple of the regular controllers uh, and be able to play with other people and stuff like that. It's just a little bit too much for me. Uh, so I, chances are I probably won't get the DualSense Edge either. But it's good that Sony finally has an answer to that. Uh, it's been they've you know Xbox for a long time in terms of main publishers and game creators hasn't had significant opposition um whatsoever and then sony has kind of just ceded that to them overall um you know nintendo doesn't really dip their feet into that and yeah as of right now it's really just been scuffed that does amazing controllers and modular controllers 
Um, but, you know, I think there's something to be said from seeing that kind of like, this is from Xbox, this is from PlayStation, that I think can boost sales in a way that, like, unfortunately, like, I don't think, no matter how good of a product Scuff is releasing, they, they have that disadvantage. They can have the partnerships, but at the end of the day, they are not those companies themselves. Um, so, you know, I think PlayStation has an opportunity here to probably kind of supersede scuff even though even if their quality is not up to scuff like you know i know scuff's modularity is super impressive it doesn't look like the dual sense is going to have all that um and i think despite that because the playstation ecosystem itself of just people who have ps5s is so large and because the dual sense itself is such a highly regarded controller and in just its base model i think the edge has an opportunity to take it to the next level there um yeah i i really love the dual sense uh, and so, the, to be honest, with all that they've described there, the back paddle thing is cool. I don't use back paddles. I'm not used to it. I just, I don't even know how to really program those. Like, I haven't really gone out of my way to use them yet. Um, I have probably the chances are the first place I'm going to use it is my Steam Deck, and I'll probably figure out how to use it eventually. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, for now, the only thing that actually really interests me is that adjustable resistance for the analog triggers, because the, the DualSense triggers are so cool. Um, and I just love the fact that there's like almost like haptic feedback in there. There's resistance. I love the way the bow feels in, um, horizon. That's an example of like a great usage for it. And so I would love to see kind of what additional experiences they can add through the dual sense edge to already great triggers. Because again, the dual sense, I think personally of this generation is probably the best of the three controllers that exist. Uh, Nintendo's kind of doing its own thing. And then you have the, the Xbox controller, which was number one for a long period of time. For me, I think the dual sense actually edges out the Xbox controller for the first time ever um, a little bit, just because I love this controller. And so, yeah, seeing them kind of find ways to improve it is awesome. I'm super curious to see what they're going to do on the price side, like how much is going to run this. I, this is a premium controller, so I wouldn't expect anything below 150 personally. Um, what do you think they're going to launch at with like price wise here? Uh, I mean, I know they announced that it's going to come with uh, again. It's very similar to the Xbox, the, the case that can charge it inside of it. You know, it comes like in a little deluxe case and stuff. Yeah. Again, the Elite controls usually launch at two two fifty. Um, so you're probably even looking up more in that. You know, a base dual sense of seventy. Um, so I would be surprised if it's anything under two. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, I the look of it is pretty similar, so I don't have like a strong feeling on that. They already have some of the um, color differences that I like. I, like the big thing for me was like I wanted like a matte black one, and I and I think um, I think a, a midnight black controller already exists, right? Yes. Yeah, so like the the visuals, it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, but overall, I'm probably gonna skip this, depending on the price. Now, if the price, if if they somehow beat out Xbox and go super low with the price, uh, so you know we're in the let let's just say, and again, this is not gonna happen. But let's say they're like, oh, we're launching for 149. Oh yeah, I'll totally get this. Yeah, um, I, I'd snag one for sure. I but snag one. Like just for like once you get into the two two fifty three hundred range, which I don't think they're gonna do three hundred, but let's say they do, uh, I think this is just not for me. I don't play enough, I think, to justify that that level. I, I I'm not competitive in any way. You know, it's not like I, I again we're console agnostic, so I'm jumping around all over the place. So I play a lot of my PS5, but I play a lot of my Xbox, my Switch, mm -hmm. uh, my Steam Deck. I'm all over the place. 
Um, I, I play my NES all the time and my, my Genesis. So I don't think I have a need. I think my my $200 can go elsewhere a lot farther than like a single controller. So yeah, overall, I think it's a great decision for Sony, um, but probably not something I'm going to buy myself. Absolutely. I completely agree. So piggybacking off of the last story with Gamescom, um, as you said, Gamescom 2022 happened, and we got a lot of cool announcements. Uh, a lot was shown of all different SKUs, higher-end stuff, AAA stuff. I was actually really impressed with the, some of the output. But some of the bigger stuff we're going to cover here are some of the stuff that the stories were tied to. So let's just go one by one and kind of comment and describe, mm-hmm. see where, where we're at with it. So uh, the first one, Dune Awakening. Uh, that was revealed for the first time. Pretty excited about this game. I like Dune a lot. I like that world. I like the movie, the newer movie. We didn't get any gameplay for this, so I don't know what type of game this is going to be. You could assume that it's going to be a third-person action game. But uh, do you have any interest in this this new Dune game? Um, I do. Uh, for the fact that uh, again, I I've seen the original Dune movie. Not a mm-hmm. fan. Um, I really did enjoy the new one. Um, I, I think. As long as the second one is good, then the first one works really well. So I think them trying to really establish the, this Dune universe uh, kind of comeback is is good. Um, I liked everything. So I know it was a cinematic trailer. Uh, it wasn't much to see. Light eyes, the breathing apparatus, uh, giant, uh, you know, the worm. Um, my 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 excitement was really high, and then immediately dropped when I saw that it's an open world survival. MMO. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. If you look at the trailer, right at the end, it does say "Open World Survivor MM, uh, Survival MMO." Oh, I didn't um, catch that. Yeah. So your reaction just now was the exact same reaction I think I had, and I saw the the comments. Uh, a lot of people had. That now, sucks. Uh, how MMO? Uh, how much survival? Because obviously the survival aspect just can mean a lot. Um, if it's something that I have to freaking like manage water intake and stuff like that doom being you know a desert planet uh, it's just it can go wrong in many, many ways um so i was excited and now i i kind of lower i think i signed up for the beta uh i haven't gotten an email i don't know when that's even happening because i think this is one of the things i have to go hands-on but mmo also just means a lot uh is it more mmo like outriders is it more mmo like some other stuff uh, it's just i need to see more i need to see more for sure yeah, so I guess that goes from my excitement list to my <laughs> pending list. We'll see. Yeah, that blows. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, all right, so the second one is the controller we just talked about, the DualSense Edge. Yeah. Next one, New Tales for the Borderlands. Now, this is interesting. Uh, we're getting kind of the resurgence of Telltale, kind of. Like, it's... it's it's kind of uh, coming back with uh, the Expanse and everything like that. So, New Tales of the Borderlands... Uh, have you played the first one? I didn't really get into the first one because I didn't feel like I had a solid enough hold um, in the regular Borderlands games. What, what did you think of this one? I, I so I'm a, I had I was a, I was a fan ish of Tales of the Borderland. Um, it, unfortunately, just it came out around the time where we were just getting a whole bunch of uh, Telltale games, and um, so I, I just never really went through it all. Especially again, they would re- release them episodically. I'd start one, I would never get back to it, and you know how that all works out. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting to see the new tales of the Borderlands. See how this lands in. I'm kind of, I'm kind of Borderlands out. Uh, Borderlands three really took a lot out of me. Uh, from the bad writing to just everything about it, it was kind of just, it was like a little too, you know, too little, too late. This one obviously focusing more of narrative could always work. It's probably gonna be a nice standalone. Um. It's kind of weird that they did this at the same event that they showed uh, Telltale because I don't believe 
Telltale's doing this one. Uh, this is something they're doing in-house. Oh, without, that without, makes sense. Uh, because if I'm looking at the end splash screen, you have 2K and Gearbox. No words to say uh, Telltale. Um, so I believe I don't see anywhere on here. Uh, choice base. Da, da, da. Yeah, so nowhere on here says it. So I don't think they're even doing it. So it's super weird that they did this at the same event. <laughs> um, I'm surprised they'd want to, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only thing probably working on it is this, they're going to focus this as more of a one type video it's not like a season one or any of that uh extra fluff that really we all kind of agreed killed telltale it was episodic and all that stuff so having full-fledged product all at once kind of works out i mean it looks interesting enough where i see some cool characters i know they did say they brought some people from original telltale over um so that's maybe where a lot of people have that sort of confusion he did uh he did mention that he's like you know they did bring some of those you know veterans uh over into it but We'll see. It's just, some of it looks interesting, you know, but then I see the part where they have, like, two toys smashing each other, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can do this. But it's one of those things that's, like, it all depends. Uh, I just know, you know, I think it's October this year, October 21st. I, yeah. I'm busy. I'm busy at that time, but okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a lot to play. It's kind of a hard sell to kind of get us yeah. to play those type of games. Uh, the next one, big one, Sonic Frontiers. We got a new story trailer and finally a release date of November 8th, 2022. So actually, I was really positive on this trailer that they released. This act, I saw a lot of things that actually uh, I, I quite liked. Um, we got some new f- environments for the first time that kind of broke out of that kind of open grassy area that kind of everything initially took place in that kind of like tech demo that IGN put in all the kind of visuals and stuff like that we're tied to that area this time for the first time we've seen some environments that look a lot different than that uh and we saw some gameplay that was a mix of almost kind of like their attempt to do the 2d thing it was like very very generations itch ish uh and then they had some kind of like um you know kind of moving forward type 3d stuff uh that i actually quite liked to look at and it, it was a good thing because to be honest some of the slower action moments just weren't really doing it for me like there were some cool moves they did like where like you loop around somebody and it does like that slashing thing to them that's kind of cool i mm-hmm. guess um but generally speaking when it comes to Sonic, I like Sonic running, jumping, and dashing. That's generally speaking what I like from him. When It's when they try to do other things outside of those three things where things become very hit or miss for me. Um, and so I saw a lot of that I liked. I actually saw something that, and then tell me if I'm mistaken, looked very Green Hill zone um, Yep, there's, there's a point. Yeah, so it looks like they're they're playing around with some older locations here, but with in the frontier style. So overall, I'm positive about this game. I'm getting this game. We'll see how it ends up. Uh, I, I think they're doing a lot of ambitious things here. There's a lot that I like. There's a lot that I'm a little bit more nervous about. But uh, what what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, so this was obviously something you know. The Sonic Twitter was obviously leading up that they were going to be at Gamescom, so obviously I definitely tuned in for this. Um, and I'm surprised how ex- a lot of my worries didn't go away, but they were calmed. You know, one big issue, like you said, uh, we finally got looks at different biomes. We saw some cities. We saw some. It's something that actually looked like Sky Sanctuary from Sonic Three and Knuckles. Um, so that for was sure. kind of cool too. Um, there was that uh, Green Hill Zone section that he was running around in 2D. Um, but yeah, we got to see, you know, like a beach theme, some desert theme, you know, finally some, some biomes, you know, it's, it's, 
it's weird because it's like the same issue we used to we had leading up to Halo Infinite, where it's like, yo, how come everything is a grass yeah. uh, biome? What, what's going on? At least now we know for sure it's not just that. Um, so everything looks pretty cool, you know. Again, I, I need to see how this works. These sort of open sections, how that translates to running into those more, I always call it the three lane running sections of Sonic that we really got used to and unleashed and moving forward from there how that all works how cohesive it looks um it is weird that's so combat heavy like there's a part where he's like he jumps homing attacks and then like punches the air and he's like shooting stuff out of his fist or whatever um so there's the, they are taking a lot of chances here to i guess really try to reinvent a gameplay format for sonic um so and it's surprising you know it's it's just so surprising like a lot of things that i was praising in sonic grand tour and sonic omens also also looks like not that they copied it but it's like that feature i liked in those games is also here um obviously probably a little bit more tight and polished so i'm really excited yeah i mean i think regardless i was gonna get this day one i think even 100 percent i'm gonna get this day one um so everything i was just i was surprised how positive i left watching that trailer yeah, then it looks like they they do have a narrative with some uh, newer characters as well. Mm-hmm. They they had some of that shown off. Uh, obviously, they haven't released enough for us to fully understand where they're going story wise with this. Um, so we'll, we'll see kind of how that goes and then kind of what direction that takes Sonic in general in terms of a narrative. Uh, but the next one, the Expanse Telltale series. Um, so this one I had to confirm when they first showed it off just to verify that this is in line or this is the same franchise as the, the Expanse television show. Uh, it looks like it's going to be. Um, and this one is properly done by Telltale. Um, this one I'm a little mixed on. I really do like the Expanse. I don't know if I needed more of it in this form factor. Um, and it's a little tricky because Telltale in 2022 is, is just a weird sell because this is we're in a place where we've gotten like super massive that has gotten into a flow with basically dominating that kind of telltale style horror. Um, and they got that down, you know, the interactive kind of movie thing. They've got that down in the horror side um, with their dark anthology se- series, their games like the quarry and stuff like that. Um, and then on the other side, you have, people who have kind of taken it to the next level to almost a first party level like the Quantic Dreams uh, with the the Detroits for example that also kind of have that interactive movie type vibe so Telltale right now is in a weird position where you know what they've done has gotten taken by so many people and in my opinion kind of done better that I don't know how it feels to go back to a Telltale game now and I don't know if I'm necessarily inclined to do it I the last game that I played by Telltale in depth, I think, was Batman Season 2 uh, many years ago. Um, so it's been a very long time. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on this game, but it's not necessarily an IP or franchise that motivates me to jump out of the chair and jump in, and jump into this game. Because I love the Expanse show, but am I so enveloped in the world that I need anything that comes out that you know expands the lore of it no not necessarily uh what did you think about the expanse yeah you know this is one of those series that i i haven't uh dived into it yet like it is on my queue to watch and uh, a lot of people tell me i'm gonna like it um but it is one of the things where it's like i i i've seen some trailers and i'm like man i, I do want to watch this i don't know you know the big thing for telltale games are always decision basis um mm-hmm. my thing is from what i've seen from the expanse that's a story they want to tell me uh not a story that i need to participate in 
if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, you, they have a narrative they're trying to tell me, and I don't want to change outcomes. These characters are who they are. I don't need to portray a version of them, and, and I understand that. I just don't know how it's going to work well. Um, I, you know, maybe if if I finally, because I know this is, I think, summer 2023. It's it's, it's far off. Yeah, so way far I off. Plenty, so maybe once I, hey, I really dive into the show and then some reason I'm left wanting more, then hopefully that will be there. Especially if, you know, the reviews are really well, you know, like high up there. But other than that, it's one of those things that's like, like that's cool that exists. I know The Expanse is really popular. Um, I, 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 know it's, I know it's popular, but I also feel like it's kind of like weaning in, a, in, a, in the background. Uh, compared to other shows, because that's the Amazon Prime one, right? Amazon Prime has yep. a thousand other, not better shows, but really, really well done shows. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Yeah, they're definitely catching the tail end, I think, of some of the fandom around this show. Uh, it's not dead yet, but it, I think it, it certainly climaxed a couple years back. Um, so, and, and another big thing that I'm kind of thinking of here is if Telltale is going to do this again, which is totally okay, cool. Um, How's that engine looking? You know, yeah, that was yeah. a big concern for many years from a lot of people. And there was all this talk about, oh, we're fixing our engine, we're fixing our engine. I think, from what I remember, Walking Dead Season 4 may have been in that new engine. May have been. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah, so I, I just, that's another thing, is that jank is not going to cut it anymore. We have PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series Xs now. We don't want... Any jank when we have games like Horizon Forbidden West and Ratchet and Clank and Forza Horizon Six, like yeah. you cannot have a janky storytelling game. Like it's insane if that's the case. So hopefully they got it together and they come swing it. I'm totally gonna give them a chance to at least hear them out. Um, but they have a little bit more selling to do before I jump into this game. Um, next one is a big, quite con- surprisingly controversial game, uh, Gotham Knights. Uh, showed off a little bit more this is a game that i don't think we've gotten a chance to talk about in quite a while um and a lot of people are quite mixed about what they see some people are super happy about what they see some people uh are not happy with what they see um there are some interesting things about what they've done with certain characters that i think are worth talking about like uh the decisions they've made with red hood which are quite controversial uh, in terms of some of his navigation abilities they've kind of changed his power set a little bit to accommodate for more i guess verticality in terms of city exploration it seems like so he has these kind of like power bases um these energy powers uh that seem relatively minor in terms of like his actual combat but more so it's like a navigational thing it's an interesting decision that they made in my opinion a little unnecessary but uh that's what they're doing overall big dc fan I love all these characters. I love the Bat family in general. So any opportunity to play as like Batgirl or Nightwing or Red Hood, I'm always going to be super hyped about. To be honest with you, I'd like them to go farther. I want them to add kind of like a, a spoiler and an orphan or, or now Batwoman. Um, these are other characters I'd love for them to even expand more into. Um, uh, the, there's a Detective Comics run from a couple back years ago that I think would be perfect inspiration uh, for this series so I like generally the direction they're going I like the way people look some of the combat looks good some of it doesn't look as good obviously this is kind of continuing what was built by the Arkham franchise um, and so 
I think there's a weightiness to the Arkham games that seems to be missing at times with some of the combat in this game. But generally speaking, I think I'm going to like it. I, so long as it looks good, runs good, and has a compelling narrative to tell, I'm going to be pretty happy with this game. Uh, what are your thoughts about what they've shown with Gotham Knights so far? Yeah, so um, I was in I was on I was in the spectrum where I was actually really excited about everything I saw. Um, I do you know I always think <laughs> not that Batman is overrated, but I think <laughs> his universe you know with the Bat family and everything I think there's so much good there. Uh, so there, there's just so much to tell and do when you're not focusing on Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I think this is again it's finally f- pushing it. Um, another big thing there you know they pushed in the trailer is. Uh, uh, Harley without with the lack of Joker, which I always think is a very very powerful move, um, because she is her own character. She doesn't always have to be Joker's number two. Not that he won't be in the game. I I don't know. They say he's just missing. Uh, I don't know what that entails. But when you're seeing when I see them pull out the villains of Clayface and, and you know Mister Freeze, um, I think it looks just really interesting. I think it's it's focusing on that lore. It's not some weird orb story. I think we at some point see some. Uh, the cowl of owl, the, the owl masks um, and and how that all portrays. Um, so I'm actually really excited to, to check this out again. Some of the designs look a little funky. Uh, I, I do think it's a little wonky. I do have a lot of issues. My issues are mixed with Red Hood's a big favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much I like what he what Jason Todd looks like without his suit. Um, I think he looks very creative character in a sense. He yeah. looks like he doesn't have much identity. Um, just because we've seen so many versions of you know different artistic styles, um, and you went with the shaved head, generic white male uh, look. Uh, again, he just looks very default. While he's in a suit, I get it. Uh, he looks good. I think all of the, I think the four of them look really good. Um, I do think you know there's just a lot of stuff that we were worried about seeing just finally shown. You know, it looks. A little bit better, looks a little bit more polished, especially since we now know they, you know, they, I think announced months ago that they, they were dropping the last gen versions of the game to fully focus on the new gen version. Um, so everything we saw looked like it was running really well. You know, again, the changes they're doing, how over the top are they going to be? Again, adding, giving Red Hood sort of uh, powers. It's it's weird because I feel like you could have, you can see that it was done to help with like traversing the city. Uh, like his double jump has that giant. Devil May, I always call it Devil May Cry. The Devil May Cry platform that appears out of nowhere to double jump. Uh, looks really weird for him. And he has like a weird f- like floating Fortnite glider we saw it on another trailer a while back. So, again, I know that's done to just tweak. I just feel like you could have probably done something a little bit different, a little bit more creative, a little bit more comic base. Um, but all in all, it does look something really good. Again, this is this is also, which kind of went, un- a lot of people kind of didn't realize, uh, this got pushed forward now is coming out october 21st yeah it's um, up, it yeah. had a later date i forgot what it was but they did move this up actually so coming out even sooner uh which is a rare move uh but if they're confident enough that it's ready uh, especially dropping the old versions of it and from what we heard those old versions is what was really struggling and it's not coming out too far earlier i think it's only coming out like a week earlier than intended but i think it's gonna be pretty interesting um i also th- just think it's a that's probably around the right time you want to launch this in the october time just because there's nothing else like it uh rolling around i think you have your own time to stand for so i'm actually really looking forward to gotham knights when i used to be the negative i was really against them yeah i think overall based on what i see 
that they'll be able to stick the landing. Um, and it was a lot of apprehension I had once upon a time. As I see more, I'm feeling a little bit more confident on it. I don't think they're going to completely miss. Like, I once upon a time, you know, I was really nervous about this game. It was kind of like, it, it was kind of up in the air for a while. We didn't know the date. It was, it was some of the early examples. It wasn't running the best, and things looked a little wonky. They were playing around with different things. It just didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like Ar- Arkham. It didn't look like Arkham, that, that world. And, and I think they've kind of... Uh, fixed a lot of those issues to the point where I, I feel a lot more comfortable with my purchase of this game um, when it comes around to that time. Um, the next one, big one, Hideo Kojima is actually getting a podcast, which is long overdue in my opinion. He says a lot of strange things in, in Twitter that I feel like <laughs> would be great to be contextualized finally to hear the totality of his thoughts. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's interesting because they have an English, um, they have like a little prologue out that's like a quick like two minute teaser or something like that uh that he set up on spotify uh and there's an english version and a japanese version which excites me because then that means you would imagine there's gonna be a translation of this podcast um so hopefully they keep up with that and i'm not just being um over optimistic on that but i'd love to hear his thoughts in depth but yeah he he doesn't i don't know if he speaks any english i haven't heard him speak much at all um, maybe like a phrase or two here and there. So I would imagine his, his knowledge of English is relatively uh, minimal. So from what I understand, you know, like a translation would be necessary for anybody who does not speak Japanese to hear this podcast. So I'm hoping that they have a translation because I'd be really interested in hearing his thoughts about just things, even things outside of gaming. Because, you know, he's going to talk a lot about movies and shows oh, he's yeah. watching and different art styles that he's into and I'd love to hear about all of those things and because I feel like the more we hear about the different media he's consuming, the more those inspirations of his contextualize his work and make things make a little bit more sense, if that you know what I mean. So um mm-hmm. I'm excited about this, are you? Yeah, no, this was really cool. And I'm in the same boat where uh, I follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and he sometimes goes on these rants. Like he had like a free tweet rant about uh how he never wears shorts the things i needed to finish the story i needed to hear what he was talking about shorts for um so it is really interesting um they did uh i don't know if it was after or before uh, somehow they 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 did announce that it's going to be there's going to be both english and japanese versions available supposed to be simultaneously uh every week Um, they they were calling it uh simul simultaneous interpretation so the way they did the preview, I guess, is how we're going to get each episode. You know, episode one, English, episode one, Japanese. Because um, he, he he speaks English, but very, very rough English. Just um, obviously just so it's going to be weird because we're going to be listening to a Kojima podcast, but it probably won't be narrating. You know, it won't actually be, you know, it'd be, yeah, it'd be somebody else's voice. It'll be some other English speaking man uh, going off on it. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I, I don't know how much of the that whole because I know him and Keely are really close, and he's like, oh, Keely's gonna have, uh, like you know, industry news segments every once in a while. I, I, we get a, we get a lot of Keely throughout the year. Um, we got him right now. We're gonna get him again in December for the Game Awards. But uh, maybe maybe especially when there's breaking moments, I I want to hear some good stories. I wonder if it's been a long time. If maybe he can actually speak. About what happened with Konami, I doubt oh, it. Oh yeah, but yeah. Kind of, I doubt it. As much though. as I, much as I do want to hear about his, and you know, I know he's like really into the, he really was into the boys recently, and he even talked about how he had like a pitch, a, a game pitch about very similar concept. I'd like to hear that. Well, what are some of these pitches that he's done that hasn't 
come through or you know and th of course in his interest you know his interest in random youtube videos and music and just, he's so just <laughs> really into the art of everything entertainment that i'd love to hear that especially if i don't know if it's gonna be weekly or monthly or whatever that podcast is but definitely gonna check it out yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, the next one, Outlast Trials. So Outlast is back. It's been a very long time. Um, I've always tried to stress the importance of Outlast as a franchise. And I, be I believe breathing new life into the horror genre at a time where things had kind of flatlined for a bit. Um, this is post-Dead Space. And things were pretty quiet on the horror front. You had things like Outlast, and you had things like, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. But there's another franchise that was like really big on the PC side. Um, but the, yeah, it, it had since kind of quieted down in that time. Um, and Outlast came back and had this kind of really crazy first-person survival, relatively um, linear narrative but it was really scary and i i uh, believe that outlast in many ways kind of shaped what eventually became resident evil 7 um mm -hmm. and in in terms of inspiration there so i feel like to a certain extent we have outlast i think for maybe some of the um resurgence of resident evil for example and i think the horror genre is in a lot healthier of a place now than it was because of a Outlast, so it's awesome to see them back. This one is giving a very much like a like a hospital vibe, um, and it's it's pretty interesting what they're showing so far. I played the first two, so I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna give this one uh, uh, a playthrough as well. But uh, beyond that, there's not much thoughts I have other than that it looks like Outlast, and I'm I'm excited to give it a shot. And so far, they haven't missed. I liked Outlast two quite a bit. I know some people. Felt like it was a little weaker than the first one. I thought they were both pretty good. Um, and so hopefully if this keeps that same trajectory, we're going to have a third one uh, on our hands. Uh, what do you think about Outlast and Outlast Trials? Yeah, you know, Outlast is a series that it's, I'm surprised it hasn't come back in a while just because, yeah, it did do so much for the genre. It helped, you know, re not reinvent it, but re just breathe new life into it. Like you said, Resident Evil uh, 7 Biohazard has huge Outlast vibes down to almost, you know, that sort of, I always say that, that uh, brown gray filter that's on all over of uh, Resident Evil 7. Um, even that, down to that, comes down from to Outlast. Uh, using a video camera, having the battery dying on your video camera for, for light, I think is really cool. Um, I never really, I think I beat the first one, but I, I just, and I tried, I think there was like a deal, like a standalone DLC to one of the games that I tried once at a friend's house. Uh, just I just never really got to the point where I wanted to play Outlast 2, just because I do think Resident Evil probably came out and that took my attention um i'm interested to see how this works as i know they're saying there's some multiplayer twist to it um and that may be good for good or for for worse um i know they're saying it's gonna be multiple players at once um being able to interact with each other scaring each other um so it's a twist on its usual formula but it does look very hospital-esque uh we, there's a point we see like multiple people getting strapped to chairs and that screen comes down so i wonder how that works um and but also how much does this game work without multiplayer um, and because that's always going to be a big stance because things usually get less scary when there's more people in there or, you know, it just all really depends how that's really done. So we'll have to see more of that. But, uh, yeah, that's coming. I believe there's a beta this year, but I don't remember when the actual game is coming out. I don't know if they even gave it a date, but I'm glad Atlas is back. Uh, and I'm, you know, again, probably coming out with a, just a straight third one probably would have 
sell slats, so maybe a multiplayer twist may work because we've seen that that's actually um, something that's been working. If you think uh, we didn't talk about it, but you know that Killer Clowns game that's going to be that oh, asymmetrical yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. So, you know, a twist on their own twist on that will probably work really well. So I'm interested to see what what they have in store. And then the last one that we are going to cover, which is the game that refuses to die, apparently. Uh, Dead Island 2, apparently, is... They're still saying it's coming. It's one of those things, for me, I will believe it when I see it, when it's out, sure. Um, But yeah, Dead Island apparently is still a thing. Um, This has been in kind of development hell for years now. I remember a long time ago, I got... It may be 2015. 13 don't quote me on that but when they had the iconic trailer of the runner and the 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 thing that actually goat simulator made fun of i think um that was dead island uh and so once upon a time this franchise was really had a lot of visibility on it and this famously dead island kind of morphed into dying light uh the you know techland um and so dead island 2 is not being developed by techland and it's kind of still been kind of passed from person to person and it's been floating around and a lot of people assumed that this was never going to see the light of day but apparently they're really fighting to to finish it and so at this point you know in this kind of post dying light and dying light 2 world i have no real use for a dead island (laughs) personally but uh i am very like morbidly curious to see what actually is released like what is the shape of the product that's actually released um do you have any interest in dead island 2 what are your thoughts uh, i was never a big dead island fan i really didn't like a lot of the first dead island i never played the other i know there was like a riptide half sequel riptide and then there was a there was a there was like a story-based one too i forgot what that one was called um that i wasn't a fan of either um which is why i was very hesitant to go into dying light one when i heard it was techland um, but yeah, I there is this weird curiosity. When I saw this resurrect again, uh, no, no pun intended, but when I saw this come out again, I was like, God, this was announced, I think, in 2014. Yeah, I was like, we 2014, remember Jogger. Okay. Um, but I was like, man, this has gone through, I think, at one point, I think Sumo Digital was on this at some point, which has done like a lot of Sonic racing games and things like that. I think Jaeger was on here. At yeah, some didn't point. they do <laughs> Little Big Planet 2 or something like that? Yeah. Weird teams oh, on it. Di- yeah, yeah, Jaeger, which I, I, the only game I really know that Jaeger has done that I enjoyed was Spec Ops The Line. Um, yep. And then these companies, they never abandoned it. They were always just removed. Um, I know this was also through the area where, like, Deep Silver was purchased, not purchased, and now I think they have an internal Deep Silver company doing it. So I think it's, at this point, the game has to be released at some point. But, God, it's just, anytime you see a game being thrown around this much uh, for this long of a development... Uh, it, it is worrisome. I ha- I'm scu- I don't know if I'm gonna play it, but I'm super curious on what happens with this. Like, when it comes out, uh, even not for nothing, Dying Light Two couldn't do what Dying Light One did. Yeah. You know, Dying Light One did what Dead Island couldn't do. In a world maybe we live in that somehow Dead Island comes out, Dead Island Two does what Dying Light Two couldn't do. It's like super weird that we're just such a such a weird uh, just mix of it. But it's like. I don't know. From the little we saw, I'm just like I didn't see much that excited me. Uh, the zombie sort of face came and gone, and then it came back and then it's gone again. So it's like really weird. So you're, February 2023. I don't know, man. You're you're getting into PSVR two territory. I I I don't know. Maybe if there's literally nothing else and the game gets some good reviews, but I just I it's just one of those things where it's like this is really a thing. 
somehow. It's not just vaporware. But I don't have too, too much interest in it. But I am just, yeah, just really curious on what even appears. Because even the cover is not the same cover they showed years ago. Yeah, and I just checked uh, to see who's currently uh, developing it. Yeah, it's Dan Buster um, who's currently developing it. And they are the people who made Homefront the revolution, for anybody who's curious. Um, Is that the bad one? Yeah. Yeah, from, from what that's the home. I think Homefront, the first one, was the one people liked. Uh, Revolution was the one that came out in like 2014 ish, uh, that people didn't really like that well. Um, and it's interesting that this game has been in development so long that this was announced in E3 2014, which was before Dan Buster even existed, which was created in July 2014. So this game is technically older than their developer, which is hilarious. Um, but uh yeah so Dan Buster is handling it right now and yeah February 3rd 2023 so top of next year uh I'm seeing some articles where some people who have gotten hands on have said it's surprisingly polished considering it's troubled development um so you know it's very possible that they could have something but they're so out of place and out of time I mean the first one came out in what like 2011 or something crazy like that like mm-hmm. you know I felt that I, and I like Dying Light a lot. And Dying Light 2 was not my favorite thing. I didn't really like it that much. But even that I felt like was a stretch where it's like that kind of the zombie era of just fandom I think has long since passed. And I think some people have been able to tap into that at different levels of success. Die, Dying Light 2 is doing its thing. Um, you know, Dead Island coming for that exact same fan base with a very similar gameplay style. You know, they, they have an uphill battle because they lost their window. To be honest, they could have beat all of this out if it came out on time a long time ago. Uh, but now they're many, many years removed. They're fresh into a new um, game cycle where we get these high-end consoles, these crazy experiences. And right now, February 2023, it's far off. We'll see what comes out in that month and see if they have any uh, competition but I can't envision this game doing particularly well just because it's just it's so far off of when I felt like this game would have in any way attracted the average consumer no yeah yeah that's 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 true and it's just it's just what a weird fact in the gaming world that this is gonna be I just I just I can't believe it I'm looking yeah. at it I'm just like I can't believe it I'm looking at screenshots from when it was announced, screenshots now, and it looks just completely, completely different. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, what a, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm really curious just to see when this drops in in February that just how the world's going to take it because it's just super weird. I hope it's on Game Pass. I'd like to play it, but there's no way I'm going to buy it. So Let me tell you, if there's a game that needs to drop on Game Pass, it's, it's this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, the last story, uh, that was pretty much it for Gamescom. I, you know, we had a few other things that they showed, but a lot of it was stuff we either saw or was really... There was a lot of, like, tactical PC games that were shown, and uh, not that we, you know, turn our nose to it, but just where we don't really know too much about it. Yeah, I don't play any of those, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, so it is what it is. A few other things that... Mostly the stuff that was shown was stuff we had seen, um, whether we needed to see it again or not. Um, but the last, the last story we have, uh, there was a... Some weird controversy, but people just like to jump the gun in, in, in many senses. But uh, there's going to be a PS5 price increase. Obviously, guys, right up the front, not in the U.S., but let's <laughs> get right on to it. So recently on the PlayStation blog, 
Sony announced that it will be raising the price of both editions of PS5 digital and disc in Europe, the UK, the Middle East, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and Canada. Which actually seems to be that actually one was the only one that surprised me. Uh, the United States seems to be the only major market that's not getting price increase. According to Sony, the global economic environment is a challenge that many of you around the world are no doubt exper uh, experiencing. The blog post states, "We're seeing uh, high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting consumers and creating pressure on many industries." Um, and then they have the article uh, breaking down exactly what the price increases. Um, Though I kind of understand this, it's also just very, very weird timing, and I almost don't understand why. Uh, you know, again, it's it's it seems to be really weird. I know I work in a completely different industry, uh, but um, I work in you know, in construction basically. But materials got to the point that it's sort of back on track. Uh, things that used to be four weeks out uh, due to material lack of material and different. Again, the same excuses they were saying, you know, inflations and everything like that. That's all kind of come back down. And I do know what it's funny because it's like the U.S. is the ones that's kind of suffering uh, different financial issues right now uh, more than other places. But other places are the ones that are it's just super weird because in general, these other places have just it's more expensive to get, especially deluxe items like the PS5 and everything like that. Because um, I remember if I remember like in Brazil, like the PlayStation 4 launched at like are equivalent of like $800. So it's really weird. Um, quickly, I think it is it is just bad press in general, I think. And not to sh throw shade, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo really ate this up while it was able <laughs> to get some good PR by quickly yeah. tweeting that they would not be having price increases anywhere. Um, to the point that I think even Microsoft coincidentally started showing this ad that you can get a Series S with a game for like 230 or something, something wild. Um, <laughs> super, super, really weird uh, stuff. But what do you think of this? So this little PS5 price increase um, almost everywhere but the US as of right now. Yeah, I I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about it. One thing to kind of caveat everything: I'm not an economist. I don't study industry or the markets very closely. I'm not into any of that stuff. I and my feelings on inflation aside, because I don't necessarily buy a lot of the market manipulation nonsense that they pull um yeah this is just a matter of is this a company being opportunistic because of a environment you know when you give corporations the leeway of like hey there's inflation right now things are expensive so you can raise your prices to ensure that you don't operate at a loss or that you maximize your profits or whatever they have a justification of doing so because they could point to the markets as being the reason not us but yeah you, you do have the questions of when it is just you and everywhere but the u.s that's strange to me um especially because you know japan is a major market for them uh that's their home market and they're increasing prices in japan that falls under the asia uh category so they're doing everywhere inflation if it would be one thing i guess if inflation was a problem everywhere but the u.s somehow you know if america's or the u.s's uh isolationist economy was un you know n not impacted by world markets then maybe i think this would make a little bit more sense to people but the fact that it makes me wonder, like, what what is the the kind of status of their economic model in the U.S. that maybe differs from the rest of the 
the the world like what and and again again i i would like to note that historically many console manufacturers have operated at a loss to get the consoles at a price that is not egregious because a lot of the times these parts are expensive and they make their money back mostly on software sales especially in this digital era um so it made me it's always kind of interesting to me to know where it seems like everybody but nintendo has operated at a loss console wise like what is their margins on the playstation to begin with and are their margins different in the u.s than it is in the rest of the world so when let's say inflation let, let let's say i give them the benefit of the doubt and that they're they are being sincere and this is just not a push to kind of cushion their profits while the markets are a little hot right now um let's say that the things really are expensive and it really is hurting them uh, and they really do need to adjust it. Otherwise, they're going to lose money. Um, it makes me wonder what the, 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 the kind of profit split was. And is there maybe their model was just a lot better in the U.S. So like their, uh, a little bit of inflation didn't impact their profits as bad in the U.S., but maybe did abroad because uh, that maybe abroad is where they were. They need to ensure that they make that money. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, I don't really get it. Uh, I, I work in tech, but I don't work on the consumer side of it. Um, so I don't really see a lot of the kind of like supply chain issue questions. But from what I understood, outside of the chip shortage, I didn't expect this to be a case because it seems like there is a um, almost kind of like a ripple effect from one industry price gouging to another one because it's like oh there's inflation we got to raise our prices oh they raise their prices so we got to raise our prices and the next thing you know all the companies are raising their prices um part of me feels like it's a little bit of that but again this is coming from somebody who's not an economist so that's just kind of my outside projections so uh as somebody who lives in the u.s and and you you included this doesn't really impact us so so we don't we can only have so many thoughts um i already feel like the prices of the consoles are already a little bit on the high end um and any higher you're going into ps3 territory which i think they're i that's another thing i think they're petrified to get near six because of that ps3 era thing uh and with microsoft attempting at least in the um headline to try to go in the other direction where they don't really talk too much about the Series X prices, but they, on on a consumer level, people keep hearing like, oh, C- Series S, new new Xbox coming out. Wow, two uh, below two hundred and fifty dollars. That's crazy. And then on the other hand, you know, the again, this is just headlines. This is public perception. Uh, you know, PlayStation going higher into the five hundreds. You know, I think they're trying to do what they can, and so maybe they're just gonna eat it as to. I, I think America is their biggest market for sales, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. in terms of just raw console sales. And so maybe they're really just like, okay, we're just going to eat it. We'll increase it everywhere else, but keep our biggest market lower because we do not want the public perception of like us hitting that kind of PlayStation 3 numbers again because that PR was really bad for them back then. And I think they're trying to, to, to deal with this balance of like, having the perception of being the more expensive console um, while simultaneously not flatlining sales because they took on more than they could and, and increased the prices too much. So it's, it's kind of like a weird thing where it's like generally I'm against price increases if avoidable. 
Um, but it, it's a weird thing where, yeah, I'm in the U.S., so it's not really impacting me, and I don't know what the supply chain looks for them. So I don't, I don't think anybody outside of people who actually work at PlayStation can honestly assess whether this is a necessary move. We, I, I don't know because I don't know what their their margins look like. I don't know what their inventory looks like, and I don't know what the other companies are charging them for manufacture. So yeah, I, I'm kind of conflicted on it. Yeah, it's, it's such a mix just because of how out of the world it is for us. Just Again, not that it doesn't affect us. And it sucks that people out there who are finally thinking they're going to get their hands on a PlayStation now have to not pay a premium, but in a sense pay a premium Yeah. Um, in their respective countries. So I, I feel for them because that, that would hate, you know, that's, you know, the, the closest we had to that was recently, I think, you know, Facebook, whatever, Meta, out of nowhere is price hiking the Oculus or we already may have went up the Oculus. Um, so that's the biggest thing I can compare it to, um, which is just such a weird concept. But again, not being just so, you know, in the financial world of why this is and why those countries are, um, it is a little out of my realm, but it does suck. I do, I kind of feel feel for people because I just want more people to enjoy the console because there's so much into it. Um, now you have to pay extra for, you know, extra two years later. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where... I don't think people have made, necessarily made this connection, but uh, and, and this may be a disconnected story, but to some degree, we've seen other companies react to the current markets and the prices of packaging and manufacturing devices worldwide right now, where like even in Nintendo, for example, not too long ago, there was a story about them uh, cutting their packages by, I think, upwards of like 30% by having a smaller packaging to save money on their Switches. Uh, and examples of that, I think, are the direction that a lot of companies take. Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe Sony's gone in that direction already and tried to, and it has slimmed the package. But to be honest, as somebody with a PlayStation 5 box, that thing could be smaller. There's savings that could be made, I think, before you hike the price of a console period but again i'm not running their company but i'm just saying i think there may have been opportunities for them to cut costs um before raising prices on an already expensive console and not to mention some of these consoles in other countries especially i'm talking like in the south america uh for example in australia the prices are already insane uh, on some of these consoles, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of dollars in their local currency more than ours. Um, and so the fact that they're even shouldering more of the burden kind of sucks um, for them. So, yeah, you know, like I, best wishes to all of our um, our thoughts and prayers are with you outside of the United States uh, paying for these PlayStation prices. And hopefully, you know, this again, we also don't know if this is a permanent measure. This is entirely possible that this is a temporary thing. Hopefully it can bounce down again. And I think ultimately the answer to all of this is that hopefully sooner rather than later, they have that slim model, that digital only slim model to allow people to get in at a lower price range. Uh, and if we can get that three three fifty price range for a slim digital only kind of bare bones ps5 that they can offer worldwide for people i think that's a nice way to kind of balance this out uh and then again that takes time to develop and you know the this console is only i think like two years old or so so it's going to take a little time but uh i think that is something that I, if i was outside the united states i'd be looking forward to is is that kind of smaller model that can come out a little cheaper to kind of shoulder or to kind of exacerbate some of the financial burden that's been put outside the u.s on those markets no yeah absolutely i, I agree 
All right, so that's our show this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We should be back, and not next week, but the week after that. And things are starting to ramp up again, thankfully. We're coming into September, which is going to be a huge month uh, for gaming. We got Last of Us Part 1, the remake, coming back. And so it looks like the Sony first party is going to start firing again. You know, they were quiet for a bit. Uh, Nintendo is coming back with Splatoon 3, and they got some bangers ready for fall as well with the Pokemon and Bayonetta's. Um, so the the industry is starting to light up again, and, and God knows what Microsoft's doing. Hopefully, they got something. Um, but uh, yeah, things are starting to fire up again. So I'm I'm quite excited because the, you know every year I think we experience a lull, but this was a hell of a lull this year. Like I swear, like not that there wasn't good games, but things got really quiet for a second. Where it's like, not, you know. Last week, it was just like, okay, Death Stranding is coming to PC. That was like the only story we had to talk yeah. about. Um, and thankfully, things are kind of kicking up again. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, the show, and then we're going to have something uh, chock full with a whole bunch of new stories that as things are kind of breaking. So uh, this is the Neil Vintage Podcast. I'm here with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys then. Bye. <laughs>